Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Chris Shoedrops and Nicola Shoedrops from The Mortgage Hut. And we're going to be talking about the journey that they've been on to build a national mortgage brokerage with over 20 brokers over the last about 11 years, I think, guys. Is that correct me saying? Yeah. Fab. So they understand the importance of having an online presence and they've heavily invested in the likes of SEO, social and paid campaigns. It'll be really interesting to see like where it all started how they hired their first member of staff, which we all know is, is a massive thing, and how the team's grown to what it is today because they, they've got the 20 brokers, but I'm sure there's a huge amount of staff in the background that that keep the wheels turning in the business. So they're very busy people, so I really appreciate their time today. So Chris, Nicola, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Good. So you, we were talking before we jumped on the podcast. Um, you've both got things going on in the background of your videos so nicola's got the fish tank which i think is an awesome idea and i'm thinking about chiseling out behind me on my walls <laughs> put one in and then chris has got lots of stuff to to catch your eye so you can see both of them on the video if, if you're watching on youtube and if you don't watch on youtube make sure you take a look so we're going to start with a bit of a background into the industry and this is going to be more um talking to chris about this how you set up the business so let's start with the very first day that you set it up why did you set it up and how did you get to that point well actually I started the business I worked for like a lot of people watching I was or I either started or, or uh, who are currently working or may have started in Connell's uh, countrywide a corporate estate agency environment mm -hmm. so I went there and I met a chap who was an estate agent who said look um you know why don't we I'm starting my own estate agency you can do the mortgages and I thought oh this sounds great I'll be uh, driving my Bentley before I know it. And uh, gold-plated teeth, I'm 21 at the time. I'm thinking, this is brilliant. And so uh, actually I handed in my notice, uh, went to start uh, the first day, and actually he had a change of circumstances and went into an employed role. So suddenly I had no job. Um, I had, uh, I'd started, I'd got 10 grand to start the business. So I'd spent six grand of it, because at the time you had to spend a fortune on consumer credit licenses if you were a limited company. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no lead source. Uh, and so day one was me with a desk that I had uh, borrowed, stolen, bought, and I can't remember from somewhere, like a laptop and a phone, uh, not really knowing what the hell I was going to do to get any business. And I remember mm -hmm. the first thing I looked at was, uh, and some of the, the people watching was BNI, uh, Business Networking right, International, yep. like a local BNI group went along. And that's sort of how I cut my teeth on going out and and, and doing my first networking, really. Okay, so that's where your first clients clients came from, BNI meetings. BNI, you know, actually, I used to, you know, it was um, pretty tough at the time. It was 2010, 11. Um, you know, it was still a little bit uh, chilly from the uh, financial crisis. Yeah. People thought I was a bit, bit mental starting a mortgage brokerage at that time. And, you know, it was, I would pound the streets. So I did everything. I went to every, if, if there was a networking event happening, especially if it was free, I was there. Uh, and oh, I also okay. had some flyers made up and I'd walk around my local neighborhood, dropping them in myself through their doors and, you know, just anything to try and get a name and a number of someone who might need help to do a mortgage. 
That's interesting. And we'll, we'll get on to like the, the digital marketing yeah. in the future. But do you think there's now a place for print advertising because so many people are pushing down the social and electronic route? I think like your marketing, you know, we, we're lucky enough we have businesses across multiple industries as well. And so they have different strategies. Mm-hmm. And if I uh, think generally about marketing, you need an online offline strategy, really. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, digital, uh, SEO, PPC, all of the stuff that we'll cover off in a little bit are important. But actually, um, you know, an offline presence can be just as important, you know, and actually, if I think about conversion of leads, sometimes some of our local referred uh, business, I, I think, probably converts far higher than uh, some of the colder mm. uh, stuff that goes in the top of the sales funnel. Just interesting. Now you get excited when you get a letter through the post. As long as it's not a brown envelope, yeah, you get well, a letter through the post. You're excited. Whereas an email, yeah. you just get another one and think, oh, it's another email off, off Nike.com or something like that. Yeah, it's trying to make a, trying to make a stand out amongst the noise, really, uh, because as you say, everyone, you get so much spam now, so much into your inbox you know it's about how do you get in front of the customer and at the right time you know it's really marketing has to be consistent because you send it once you 90 of the people 99 percent of the people probably aren't at that right point in their buying journey yet so it's how do you consistently reach them so that you're there when they are ready at that point in the buying process to actually buy from you mm. so we started the marketing you, you went out you put all these flies out uh, at what point did you then, in the 11 years, at what point did you start growing the team? When did Nicola come on board? At what point did all this happen when it wasn't just you and a, an old desk? Well, you know, I, I can probably go up to when Nicola came on board and she can tell you a little bit about that. But I, uh, I actually took our first advisor, a chap who's still with us today. We're super lucky, actually, Bob oh, White. Um, he joined us uh, 11 years ago. I would say the interview process was more he interviewed me than me interviewing him. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, by the end of it, I sort of, he left and I was sort of sat there thinking, did I get the job or did he get the job? I can't work out what's going on. Uh, and so he came on on a self-employed basis um you know really great um you know great chap um mm-hmm. and that's where it started and you know the first couple of advisors are probably the most daunting because any business growth wherever it is whatever industry actually you've got that staircase of growth where you know you need to take a little bit when i went from once i got to a certain level of advisors uh, actually i had to step back and start working on the business rather than in the business. And that's something that, you know, if you know a business, if you do networking, then you know a business coach for sure, because they're always at networking and that's probably their number one saying. Um, so, you know, we went through and started with with uh, some self-employed, we moved through. And then I think Nicola probably joined the business in about 2015. Right, okay, so seven years ago. So, so. Uh... What what did you do when you first came into the business, Nicola? Did you have a background in the financial services industry or was it something new into it? Yeah, so I had worked in banking since I left school and then I'd taken oh, a, yeah. a break. I was actually working as cabin crew for British Airways um, when Chris and I oh, first nice. met. Um, but I was looking for a job closer to home. I had a mortgage qualification. Um, and at first we were saying we should not work together. We were just about to move <laughs> in together. So we were like, wow. we don't want to work together and live together. And if it all goes wrong. Um, and then we took some advice from a, a, a sort of happily married 
working together couple and we thought let's give this a go kind of what what's the worst that could happen let's set some boundaries for who's the boss at home and who's the boss at work and then and, and go I'm from neither, there by so. the way just so you know uh, in case <laughs> people are wondering there's no I'm the boss of neither um so yes i joined as a mortgage advisor to start with um and did that for a couple of months um and how it evolved was actually at that point chris was really running the business um Mm -hmm. with not an awful lot of support from anyone else he had you know all of us advisors under him and we had um some some admin support staff um but in terms of management um functions he was doing everything um and as most people will know you know no one is good at everything um mm-hmm. so a couple of months in I realized that actually Chris was paying me wrong um paying me too much um, right, and okay. I sort of said to him and we thought do you know what uh, finance and and numbers are not the thing that he enjoys doing um and I do so how about we look at giving me a you know a, a, a bit more uh, responsibility I'll do the stuff I like you do the stuff you like um and let's do that so I took on some some more of the sort of management type roles and actually that then enables you to concentrate on those areas that you you know you like doing and you excel at um Mm -hmm. and you do more of it and do better at it so and and that's just evolved from there really Chris then went out to Dubai um for a job opportunity um, and I took over the running of the business sort of full time Oh, wow. So, so you, so you stayed in the UK and ran everything from here and then Chris yeah. went off and did the other thing. So when you got to that point, so you were managing essentially, how did you find managing your time? And I suppose the question leading off that is what does a normal day look like for you at the moment? Because I have a lot of brokers that are maybe at the stage of where they have three or four brokers and they're maybe still doing mortgage advice themselves. And they find it so hard to take that step back because it is a hit of your income. There's there's no two ways about that. But what do you on do you do on your day to day basis to ensure that that income keeps coming? So I um, struggled for um, just under a year after Chris left to go to Dubai, where I was still writing mortgages almost full time and trying to run uh, the business. Yeah. Um, and it got to a point a year on where actually one of them, uh, you know, one of them had to go or, or my sanity was going to go because mm. there's just not enough hours in the day. And the thing with when you are a mortgage, an active mortgage advisor, um, it's such an emotive journey for the client. Um, you know, they don't understand why you're not replying to their email because you're busy doing other things. So mm. it wasn't fair on my clients um, at that point to um, to try and um, arrange the mortgages for them whilst doing everything else. So I stepped back from writing mortgages. Um, about five years ago now um and it's a really tough decision like you say because you think you know that that income that I generate for myself and for the business you know Mm. how is that going to be replaced and it's really scary to start with but it's one of those um leaps of faith that once you take it you realize how much better invested your time is working Mm. on the business um how much more income you can generate by supporting the brokers that you've got putting the processes in place generating the leads for them everything else that when you're writing business yourself you're just too busy to do I'm really glad that you said there that you really struggled with it because from the outset somebody could look at you two running this business and say oh they've got to there they've hired loads of brokers they've let them get on with it it's pretty easy and they're sat there thinking I'm really struggling to take that step back but it's exactly what you've said there is it's so hard to step away, one, because of the income, but two, you're emotionally attached to your clients as well. Like Absolutely. you don't want to let your clients down, but if you can put that 
effort into training the staff to deal with your clients the way that you would do. And I'm talking from, I've never been a mortgage broker, but I assume that's what you wanted to do to make sure your staff would treat your clients exactly the same way you would do. How do you put that training in place? Do you have a program or is it just, this is how I would do it? Um, so it's a bit of all sorts. We, um, as a business generally only take on, um, qualified experienced mortgage advisors who mm -hmm. have um you know been through some kind of training right. elsewhere or we um through the academy process with the mortgage advice bureau we'll take people that have been in our support teams in our admin our, our lead management team oh, okay. um so they've already got a really good understanding of how we operate as a business but you know i would say Customer service is at the the customer journey is at the forefront of everything we do. So in all of our training, um, we try to look at everything from the customer, uh, you know, point of view. Like I said, it's a very emotive journey. It's the biggest transaction you'll ever make. Um, mm -hmm. And when you're processing the kind of numbers that we process as a business, it is easy to take that emotion out of it and it just be another transaction. So we talk a lot about um being you know seeing it from the customer's point of view and I guess just treating everyone the way that we would want to be treated how we want our, our friends and our family to be treated and if you're doing the right thing for the customer like that then you can't really go wrong and that looking at your offering and speaking to you guys beforehand you see that it is obviously a big company but there's still those family values in there and you can see from you two running it it would be very easy for you two to step back and to get somebody to oversee that and you two fade into the distance really it would be very easy to do that but I think you two are really focused on delivering the service that you two would expect and you've just said that from your friends and family so you've got 20 mortgage advisors how many support staff do you have as well uh, about the same again right so nearly a team of 50 so yeah. how do you manage your day Nicola to look after 50 staff so Chris and I now split the business. Um, in, like I said, you know, we do the things that we're good at and that we enjoy doing. Um, mm -hmm. So, and whilst he was away in Dubai, um, actually I was trying to do some of those bits that, uh, you know, he's good at and I wasn't very good at them. And so <laughs> it's, you know, much nicer having him home and, um, you know, we're doing those bits together. Um, so we both work from a diary system. It's really important when you're, um as busy as we are um we've both got a fantastic uh pa who you know takes away some of the stress of just organizing the meetings and bits for us um so within my role a lot of my time is taken up with um sort of progression of staff um so mortgages is a um although i'm not advising anymore you know i keep up to date with all of the um criteria and so I'm a, a sounding board for the advisors of can you help okay, me good. you know where do I place this mortgage have you got any ideas and we'll look through things together and that's not me telling them go to this lender it's like let's look together let's see where we can place this mm -hmm. um they're a great team anyway they're very very helpful to each other so I'm almost like that sort of last resort of you know have we got anywhere we can place yeah, this so I spend quite community. a lot of time yeah absolutely just upskilling them and um giving them the confidence sometimes it's just you just need another person to hear it and and say that you're doing the right thing yeah yeah quite a lot of my time doing that um compliance um you know it's super important um more so now than ever um so um 
you know, we're looking at compliance checks. I do a lot of the stuff in the background, finances, um, HR complaints, all of the boring stuff God. really for, for most people. So, um, yeah, yeah, not the interest. Not the... You, you might want to get back to mortgage advice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know, I miss I miss talking to people yeah. about mortgages. And that, this is this is the struggle, isn't it? That people mm. love doing mortgages so much and yeah. they've built the business off their name. When you're doing all the all the bits in the background, really, do you ever find you're overwhelmed? And have you got any tips for diary management that really helps you in this area? Um, I would just say be really selfish with your time. We all, okay. um, you know, we all fall into that trap of wanting to please everyone and wanting to take every meeting. Um, and just think, you know, is this meeting adding value to my business? Is it adding value to me? Um is it important really uh, because your time is super precious you know you have only got a, a limited amount of it so um yeah do, be, be selfish and you know almost be um yeah just yeah don't be afraid gonna, to say we, no. we do clip snippets of the episodes that we upload to social and that's going to be one of them is to be selfish with your time mm. because as as a mortgage broker as a business owner you feel that you owe everybody else time but actually your time is very precious especially when you when you're running a business and that leads me perfectly into my next question is how do you manage a team from afar because a lot of your guys are remote workers but employed aren't they so yeah, people so, out there that sorry that are mortgage no, uh, that run companies how how do you manage a team from afar so we this changed for us during covid really we um before that we were predominantly based in in and around southampton although oh, okay. um you know we, we cover nationwide for mortgage advice we were mostly based here and and that was um chris and i um that was our decision thinking that we needed to have the people in the same building as us so we could see what they were doing you know it was almost a bit of a mm -hmm. control thing um and covid changed that because obviously everyone straight you know suddenly was at home um and we were lucky that 95 percent of our business was already done over the telephone so it didn't have a huge oh, okay. um impact on you know straight away and, that, and that's changed probably five years ago it was 50 50 face to face and telephone but um just before covid it was about 95 percent, so it wasn't a huge change um but we did have to invest in some technology um to put onto people's laptops you know to um to monitor what they were doing when they were doing it we already had all of the call recording um software so it wasn't uh, it wasn't very arduous like that um so during covid we actually saw that people could be as um motivated and effective working from home if not more so because they haven't mm -hmm. got that hour commute in the morning and the evening and they can sit at home in their pajamas if they want if that's what they're comfortable in and um so, do the washing in between calls and that that's absolutely. what i find really useful yeah yeah pop, pop the washing on in your lunch hour you know it's just it is handy being at home mm. for things like that you know get all those packages that you're, you're never at home for normally <laughs> yeah. so spending um, more do you find when everyone. you're that's what, that's what i was going to say yeah. does it work for everybody no it, it doesn't work for everyone not everyone has the, the discipline and the, the motivation to um you know to work from home and we we have lost a few people um that way so but you know what we saw was that the majority of our people stepped up they mm -hmm. almost relished that freedom of being able to work from home and um feeling a bit more adult so now you know during covid and since we've recruited nationwide so we've got um we've got advisors all over the place we've got some we've never even met which you know when they turn up for the christmas party was a bit like oh it's really nice to meet you so yeah that's great isn't it but it gives you it covid hasn't just allowed people to access information more so but it's opened up employment opportunities 
because somebody at the north of Scotland could essentially sign up with you guys where, as you said, five years ago, if you expected them to commute to down south, you never, they'd never in a million years do it. I think no. like it's open like a pool of talent for us as a business. So when, when you ask That's a lovely way to look at it. Like, uh, the truth is that it's just about employing good people. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if you get the right people, you know, then it works. If you, if they, if you don't have systems and controls in place to be able to make sure that they are on their laptops, mm. you know, we do have this software. Do we sit and monitor it regularly? No. Um, but it does suddenly, you know, whoever is watching this, wherever they are, um, if they're recruiting locally and they've recruited for a long time, you get the same people come across your desk, the same CVs, the job hoppers here, there and everywhere. Whereas actually what we're able to do is we're able to say to people, look, we can give you the best of nearly every world. We can give you all the leads provided. It's telephone based. You know, one of my colleagues regularly sits in her onesie with a like top knot on, like uh, just doing the <laughs> it. doesn't have to get into her dress suit to go in and sit at eight o'clock in a morning meeting um, talking about properties that were sold the next day. She actually knows it once she gets her laptop open at nine o'clock. She's got five, six appointments that are booked in there, mm -hmm. ready to go for her because that's how our process works. She just mm -hmm. has to call them, get on with it. And then she, she's also done by like five, six o'clock. So you're not staying late, you're not doing this. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just about getting right people. But it's a really great thing for us when our mindset shifted, as Nicola said, about how we suddenly open a real great pool of talent for us as a business to start to do. And that's exactly what, what you say there is it's open the talent pool, but also Nicola made a good point. It's this model isn't for everybody. Some people do want to be able to go to an office. And when you say, Chris, you say we get the good staff, you also get the right staff, not just the right staff that are good for you, but you as a company are a fit for them. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, we get into that we want the perfect member of staff, but how good are we as a company for those people to work for us? And you guys are providing them with not only the tools, but the leads as well. And that, that leads me perfect onto talking about lead generation, the process that you have in place. And I know this is where Chris does a lot more with the, like the website and the lead generation. And this is going to be a big thing over the next six months. We, before we started this podcast, Nicola and I were talking about you know, the rates changing and, and not as many purchases out there. So leads are going to be gold for people. So I wanted to talk to you guys about how you generate leads and where the where would you say the majority of your leads come from to start with, Chris? Uh, so uh, the majority of our leads come from our website for new customers. So if you look at the split of our business, uh, about 50% of the mortgages that we do come from renewals uh, and existing customers. So the opportunities mm -hmm. there. So it's about having good funnels and processes internally to capture as many of those as possible. And then the other 50% of mortgages that we do come from new customers. Uh, they're generally from across the UK. Um, we deal with them on the telephone. Uh, we'll generally uh, generate somewhere between two and three and a half thousand leads a month from our website. Uh, most of that is organic. So that means that we're not using pay-per-click, although we do run some targeted PPC to be able to capture the type of customers that we're looking to, to appeal to. 
Um, so, and then we have, uh, you know, some trading styles. Nicola uh, used to run um, one of our first roles in the business actually was to run our airline mortgage shop trading style where we had an affiliation with British Airways and Norwegian Airways oh, okay. when they were still trading uh, Virgin Atlantic. Um, and then from my uh, background, we have a trading style called uh, Police Mortgages as well. So we use that. We've got a Facebook page of nearly 20,000 people who like that. It has an all, very good on organic reach uh, uh, there. So uh, we know our niches. We know where we're trying to appeal to. So, yeah, mo- as I say, most of the leads at the moment uh, come from our website. Though. So just in case anybody thought that their headphones had a bit of a malfunction there. Yes, Chris did say between two and a half and three thousand a month in terms of leads. That's phenomenal. And that's all organic. So like you say, you're not running any paid social ads and you're not running any Google PPC. So we, Everything is pure you know, SEO. We, we essentially run a, a budget of a very, very small budget of about £500 a month for PPC. And that is because, uh, which relative to the, the amount of leads we generate is obviously a very small amount. Phenomenal, yeah. uh, that's just because although Google, um, uh, their official line is that... Uh, ad spend doesn't affect your organic rankings when we've done like a b testing you know i was the job that i did in dubai i was working for like a billion dollar tech business so i had a bigger team to be able to uh test out there you know there is a correlation in your rankings between uh whether uh, you're okay. spending on paid or is my opinion i'm sure google will tell me yeah, that different. Wrong, but that's what we've seen ourselves um but yeah most of it comes organically uh through the website and that's about we get we get around just under a million unique visitors a year to the mortgage hub website organically. And what I want people to realize is this isn't something that you've done overnight. No. This is something how you've been building the website for how long now? Uh, so this strategy we started in 2015. So seven years now. And how many pages do you think that your website has at the moment? Well, I could, I don't know, is the short answer. I could run a little index to find out, but we uh, will write or rewrite about 40,000 words a month uh, of content. So we have two uh, pretty much full-time content writers uh, writing content that's relative to the market, relevant to, so the process starts by us looking at what people are searching for. Um, mm-hmm. So right now it's probably, you know, our interest rates going up, our mortgage rates going up. What happens if, you know, I can't, if I'm tied into a fixed rate, should I repay my early repayment charge? I'm guessing I haven't seen the reports. It's probably some of the searches that people are doing at yeah. the moment. Off the back of that, then we'll uh, work with our creative teams to create uh, content and information and videos and infographics and loads of other stuff to then be able to um, uh, to create really relevant content. And that's the key word there uh, for mm-hmm. Google because Google is fairly sophisticated. It's not like when I started 12 years ago where you could just put mortgage broker, Southampton, mortgage broker, you know, Portsmouth, mortgage broker, Bournemouth, and you come up top because it because uh, you had stuffed the page with a load of terms at the bottom. That is not uh, how it works anymore. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, it's just about being consistent. You know, you're going mm-hmm. to invest money. And we started as a business um, with our police mortgage brand. Actually, our main marketing funnel then was Facebook marketing PPC. And we could acquire customers at very low cost. Not many people did it. We mm-hmm. could demographically target the customers. So we could say, I only show it to advert. And there has been a lot of changes, which mean that you now can't do this on Facebook. But you used to be able to say, OK, if they say that they're a police officer, a police constable, a police sergeant, a police inspector or they say that they work for one of these 48 police forces, uh, show them the advert. And so what that meant was instead of doing an advert, doing a marketing campaign where you might reach one, two, five, 10% of your audience, 
actually using that demographic targeting, you were reaching 100% of your target audience. Mm -hmm. And that, but that has changed, hasn't it? And that's why you've moved over to, to Google. And, and, you know, uh, I am envious, uh, if I'm honest, of the uh, good looking uh, younger broker world who uh, are TikTokable, shall we say, the <laughs> ones that, you know, look cool and look great and they can, you know, they can take a really great video because actually TikTok, you know, Instagram reels, uh, which we use in some of our other businesses a lot more than we do in the financial services businesses. They're really engaging because actually how many people sit and go through the stories and the reels and the TikToks mm. and, you know, that you lose like an hour to your phone, just like glued to it. So and that's really probably the next level of some good marketing for uh, brokers out there, I'd say. Yeah. What, what I wanted to speak to you about is, and we don't have to speak about specific budgets because you're paying £500 a month for PPC. What was interesting, and it echoes exactly what Nicola said and what you've done from the beginning, is you will only work on the things that you enjoy or you're good at. So like you say, content writing, you have somebody that does the content writing for you. So you outsource to them. You outsource to somebody who creates your infographics. How important is it to outsource things that you literally haven't got the time for well, I suppose you've got to look at we're we're really lucky in the broker world that our average sale value is so high. You know, if mm, you're doing it right, you're probably your average case size. And I know there's brokers in the north who are going to say bloody hell, but as an average across the UK, probably a case size is say twelve hundred quid. I don't know. Depends mm. if you charge a fee, if you do protection well, and how big the procs are. But let's say it's twelve hundred pounds. Whereas mm. if you're a corner shopkeeper, your average sale is probably like four pounds. So. Mm. Uh, how I always used to think about it myself was actually by me writing this article or by me, uh, you know, creating this infographic, what could I, could I do an extra mortgage and create X amount of income for me? And it's about, you know, how we create teams is actually about knowing that we're not the best. You know, we, we're probably out of Nicola and I, we split our roles. You've had Nicola's role. Uh, you know, I'm lucky enough that I do the marketing and you know, the networking and, you know, for me, I love it. Nicola doesn't. And that's why it works so well. But right, actually, well, yeah. In the marketing that I do, I'm not the, the, the genius behind it. I have some really competent and capable, you know, for example, you know, uh, you work with us on some of our stuff there mm -hmm. because you're far better than I will ever be at it. And so, you know, it's about valuing your time to start with. That's the most important thing. What how much could you earn if you did something else? So in Nicola's yeah. example, dealing with an advisor, if she was sat for half a day writing a thousand per word article, if she had like the opportunity to work with a broker for half a day to develop them on protection conversions, is that going to generate more income or is it? And, and so, um, yeah, it's about yeah. just that. Uh, and we started our uh, police Facebook marketing campaign with five pound a day. You don't have to start with big money, you know, yeah, both those steps of growth mean that you go along that journey and ultimately do spend money because you can scale it up, but you can start small. And this is, it's exactly, you've said exactly the same things. You can see that you two are so in tune with the business because a lot of brokers at the level of say, maybe there's three or four brokers in the business, they think, and I'm guilty of this in my business, that you have to do everything yourself. But actually how valuable would it be to get an expert in that particular area to help you? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not very good in terms of um, building, like writing long form content. So you get a proper copywriter involved. As a mortgage broker, it must be even harder to sit there and write a complete article out. Like you said, you'd know what to say, but pass it to an expert. They'll do it in half the time. 
Yeah, and I think um, the important thing to realise about marketing um, is that uh, one person is not good at everything. We talk about marketing and we say email marketing, social marketing, content marketing, SEO, PPC, all of those things that I just pointed to, we have different specialists for each of those Mm -hmm. specialities because you can't be great at all elements of marketing it just doesn't work you know because it's because uh, google like today google's just released its latest algorithm update you know that's like the third one in a couple of months you know you need someone in the seo world who is reading because google also don't publish the uh, mechanics behind it because they don't want the system to be gained so you need someone who really understands who has their finger to the pulse so it's about knowing that marketing doesn't just mean okay, let's use this one company and they can do everything. It's mm-hmm. about using specialists, you know, um, who understand your business, um, uh, but also understand what they're trying to achieve, like in the marketing that they're doing. And I think what you've done very well is, is talking about that concept of not everybody's good at everything. Don't focus on everything. If you've only got time to specifically focus on SEO, do SEO, but if you're going to do it yourself, go all in on it. Don't dabble in it and then do a bit of social and then do a bit of YouTube and just try and go all in on one particular area because your focused efforts will have will get you much more gains than if you went a mile wide and an inch deep. 100%. And SEO, like as the example, is such a wide in itself. You know, we're based here in, in Southampton. Our brokers are national, our customers are national. But if I was a smaller firm, I'd probably be thinking, okay, like how do I get like um you know to the top of google organically for people searching for mortgage broker mortgage advice in town where i'm based to start or what how do i say i want to be a specialist for mortgages for contractors how am i going to get that search term in different places Mm -hmm. and so seo is one of those things again and and it's the one where luckily for us um, people have the least success generally because it also requires long-term investment. If you think that you're going to spend on SEO and be the top of Google in a month's time, take your money, go outside, put it down the drain. You're going to get much more joy out of it than wasting your time on that. You know, it's a long-term investment. Google, and you have to understand the mechanics behind it. Google promotes websites which it knows and trusts because we're not Google's customers, okay? The customer mm-hmm. for Google is the person searching. And for them to be able to stay as number one search engine in the world for all of us, they have to give us the best quality results every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, not a day off. Yeah, it needs to be that if I'm searching, you know, for where to buy a screen protector for my obscure Android phone, it has to give me the exact result for my location on the right price straight away same for mortgages if they promote a website that's brand new that's you know been built with a load of issues in like the meta tags and stuff in the coding in the background and put it top and then the customer goes in and they're like what is this suddenly like people stop using the search search engines Mm -hmm. it's all about the trust that you build with google and that takes time and and you when you say time, you're talking twelve months, eighteen months, twenty four months. What time scale are you talking? You should start to see some results um, within six to twelve months if you're being consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it takes time. You know, there's it's a relatively complicated uh, process. You need to make sure that your website's structured well. Uh, one of the big things that came out in the update last year was uh, mobile load speeds so actually you know a tip for any brokers who are thinking about doing a website make sure your uh your website is built mobile first 
because how it used to be done is desktop first, let's convert it to mobile. Well, it's all about load speeds. That point X of a second that you load slower can affect the algorithms that rank you. So, so it's load speeds, quality of content. There's something called a bounce rate. So if you if I click on I Google, I don't know, best um, best Italian restaurant near me, for example, and I click on the website and then I immediately click back. That is a bounce. It tells Google I didn't find what I needed. And so Google then is going to say, okay, well, that's so that's again where content relevancy comes. Because if when I drop on the content's really good quality, it's really engaging, Google can see I'm staying there, I'm reading it. It says, okay, hold on. I think I think they found what they wanted. And that's where they're going to start slowly, slowly moving you up. So it is just a, it's a long term, it's about good quality. You can't cut if if you're producing a load of rubbish, again, don't waste yeah. your time. Good quality, being consistent you know, and investing over a period of time. And it, that doesn't have to be thousands and thousands and thousands. It can be, you know, whatever your budget allows for. And it's the same as a mortgage appointment, isn't it? If somebody came to you, Nicola, and was like, right, I'm a contractor and I need a mortgage and you start talking about an employed role, they're going to be like, well, I'm not going to come and see you again. It's all about that consistency. It's the same the way that the website works, isn't it? Absolutely, especially if they've come to us, um, like in that example for a contractor mortgage, because they've read an article on our website um, about contractor mortgages, they think these guys are going to be the experts. So if we then don't know what we're talking about, um, you know, when they come to us, yeah, it's super important that we can back up, you know, what, what we're saying on our website. And do you guys talk when, so say if this week, a lot of your advisors, Nicola, have had the same question of, should I pay my ERC income at my fixed rate? Do you then speak to Chris and then see if that would be a good search term? Or is it purely, do you just look at what's out there at the moment, Chris? How does it work? We probably reverse engineer it the other way, uh, which is that uh, I will uh, look at, uh, with uh, one of our freelancers, I'll work and see what the search terms are. Uh, you know, I haven't done a mortgage for a long time, thankfully for everyone involved. Uh, so uh, I don't know criteria that well. Um, and, and so what will happen is I, I work uh, alongside Nicola. I'll produce a list of what people are searching for. The t- we can also, it's a lot more detailed than that. We can see the, the volumes of what's being searched for, how competitive the search term is. Uh, and then Nicola will say to me, look, this is really good. You know, it might be, oh, can I get 100% mortgage? Just using a really crude basic example. Well, Nicola would say to me, look, we, we can't actually help those customers. So we wouldn't oh, focus on those okay. search terms. But if there was one that was like, can I get a mortgage with 50% equity, again, being crude and basic in the example, you know, Nicola would say, okay, that looks like a good quality uh, type of... Oh, so you do it that way around. That's, uh, that's interesting. And then I suppose then, Nicola, you almost know if the leads are going to come in, you can, at the back of your head, you're then thinking, oh, that probably came in from that particular article or that campaign that we ran. Yeah, well, there's definitely a correlation um, between when our when our articles move. Um, like if they move, you know, Chris will know more than I do on this, but like when an article moves onto a first page of Google, we see a huge uplift in the number of um, inquiries that we get based on on whatever that content is. So that's kind of our, our, our aim is to get the, the articles on the first page of Google because mm-hmm. people rarely click past that that first page. So yeah. They say if you ever if you ever want to kill someone, bury them on the second page of Google, so they'll be found. <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> That's the, the SEO. And if anybody's listening to this and wants to get more into SEO, um, I listened to a really good podcast the other day from Alex Curtis at the Lead Engine. He talks very similar to you about SEO, and then it does take a longer amount of time. And he gives away a few tips on how to help your SEO as well. So go and take a listen to that podcast. 
Right, so we've covered the business, we've covered the marketing and the um, online presence, especially SEO. Now we're going to get into the strategy question. So we're going to find out what you would do if you started all over again. And um, before we get into this area, we like to donate £10 to a charity of your choice. Which charity did you want us to make the donation to? Nicola, you can you can elect the charity. Um, is it the Southampton Hospital Charity? Foundation? Yeah. 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 Okay, perfect. We'll make the donation. And that, I assume those are local to you. Yes, thank you. Fantastic. Right, so we'll make that donation for you. So on to the strategy question. I'm going to ask you both this. So if I can ask you, Nicola, first, please. So we will pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone, and an internet connection. What would you do to start generating new business? So Chris and I have actually talked about, you know, picking up our laptops and, um, and moving. <laughs> moving. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's actually only the children that stop us from, uh, <laughs> from, from living somewhere sunny all year round. So um, I actually think, you know, similar to the changes that we've seen within our business with COVID and technology, I actually think this, this is not a difficult question. I think you can work relatively well from anywhere in the world, um, you know, right now. Um, mm -hmm. So... I would um, do a little bit of everything. Um, I know we, okay. you know, we said already, you know, concentrate on one thing maybe and um, and those things that you're good at. But if you, I was starting afresh, I would do a little bit of everything. So mm -hmm. um, a little bit of um, SEO type work, you know, I'd make sure I had a good website to start with. Mm -hmm. um, the, the number of um, companies that we Google and we find that we can't even load their website or Crazy, and it, it, put, it? it puts me off straight away regardless of mm -hmm. you know what the product is so make sure you've got a website it doesn't need to be fancy it doesn't need to be expensive it just needs to be um, one that people can access and get the information from um I would yeah just um spend a, a, you know a little bit of money um in trying to generate some leads via PPC um, the longer, you know, the bigger stuff takes longer, but you will see some immediate results um, mm -hmm. from a spend. Um, know your customer. So who is it you're trying to attract? And that's really, you know, that's what we we know that a lot of um, vanilla customers, as we call them. So those with perfect credit, you know, employed jobs, um, good loan to values, they will go straight to their bank or building society because mm -hmm. they can, you know, do that for free. Um so we are looking for those customers that it's not quite so easy for them to walk into their bank or building society, or they might have already uh, been told no by their mm -hmm. bank. So, you know, who are you trying to attract um, and where are those people looking for for your advice? So is it online? Is it um, old school, like newspaper, um, you know, sort yeah. of the, the, the classified ads? Um, is it a leaflet drop? There's so many um opportunities and avenues out there but I, the, you know, just be doing something I guess is you know Get out. people are not going to find you if they if you're not doing anything so it's yeah, interesting you can... what you've said there is almost choose the customer that you're trying to aim at mm -hmm. instead of throwing a blanket mm -hmm. and the like you said you do a bit of everything I was talking about specializing in an area when you've got a big enough team and you can afford to outsource to people. Yep. Right. But when you're on your own, as you said, you've got to try everything. Yeah. But like you say, with your Facebook page with the police or British Airways or whatever it may be, you as yourself that used to work for the British Airways, you know where these people would look for advice or whether they spend their downtime and social's going to be the main place for those people because they might not work sociable hours. So they can't, pick up the phone at three in the morning to a mortgage broker so it's really interesting you've actually flipped it on its head and said know your customer be first 
yeah before you start targeting yeah and if you want local customers you know there are hundreds of local community pages now um you know every single sort of suburb or postcode has got their own um you know they're all slightly different but and and you know the benefit of being 11 years on and um is that we now get tagged in those pages all of the time by our own customers but in the beginning it's you you need to tag yourself you need to you know let people know i'm here and i'm, I'm ready for mortgage advice so you just need to keep an eye on those pages those facebook groups i think are the most underused mm. piece of marketing software that is free if i was a mortgage broker i would be spending two three hours a night just blasting those groups Absolutely. and you're going to get kicked out of some because people are <laughs> going to get fed up with you but it they'll have you're seen doing it right if you're getting kicked out you're doing it right i would say that's it exactly exactly no really thorough answer like you say nicola you've proven it with your business you can do it from anywhere unless you've got kids pesky <laughs> 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 <Pesky> children <laughs> So, Chris, I'll ask you the same question then. So we'll pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone and an Internet connection. What would you do to start generating mortgage business? Well, Nicholas sort of covered off SEO, PPC, newspapers, <laughs> Facebook groups. So I'm wondering what I've got left. But I would uh, and this is actually what we do at the moment. But, it, you know, it's an off. I would probably be thinking very similar to Nicola. What's my niche? So say mm -hmm. it is aviation workers, uh, just for, for argument's sake. I'd be creating probably some really good, cool video reels, some content for social, uh, maybe using a little bit of a spend behind there to reach them. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I'd be trying to put them into some type of funnel. Uh, you know, there's some great funnel uh, software now where you can say, OK, well, I would probably do something like uh, create a bit of an ebook that's like how to get a mortgage if you're a pilot. For argument's sake. Very, very simple, uh, straight to the point. You're not saying come and do mortgages with me. Come and do this. You're saying, oh, maybe like how to become a property developer. Some Give them something for free. Uh, mm -hmm. In return, you can grab their email. It goes into a funnel. You can then start marketing that email address with really good targeted quality content, engaging the customers uh, and building your brand. So I'd probably be doing something like that. You don't need loads of money to do it. You can create as long as you're consistent, as long as you've got really good quality content, you can push it across uh, TikTok, you know, which you're going to get to a slightly younger audience, uh, sort of probably the mid to late 20s. I know there are a lot of people older than that using TikTok as well. Um, so yeah, I'd probably be using funnel marketing, trying to like really try, try and carve it out that way. And actually by offering them something free, your PPC cost is going to be significantly lower because you're not trying to target them the same way on terms like mortgage advice or um, so, you know, I right. have read case studies where people pay like four, 4p to gather an email address well if it's super targeted and then you can put them in and target them there then you know that's going to be a win but i think nicola sort of covered it off you can actually our world is probably if you asked 10 years ago if you went to you know and i was born in scotland so i can say this i'll probably just stay where i am and go up to a northern ireland in scotland especially in winter it's going to be freezing uh, but you know if you were going to go to like Thailand or United States or wherever, we're in a world now where you can pretty much do it relatively easily uh, yeah, just by yeah. do, doing the basics right. But I think the, the two resounded things that you've both said there is to know your niche beforehand because it saves a lot of effort trying to attract the customers that you don't not you don't really want, but that you don't need. You'd go after pilots or you'd go after people in the local area in that niche. Yeah. So know, knowing your customers and hitting a niche, I think, is the main thing that's come out of that. 
Awesome. Right. Well, thank you so much for asking those. Though that those are the questions that everybody listens to and gets a lot from. So thank you. If anybody does want to connect with you, where's the best places for them to reach out to you guys? For me, it's LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, Chris Shootrups, you can look me up, send me messages. Um, like I love to, as you can tell, call people to death. I'll help where I can. So feel free just to uh, <laughs> drop me a message, connect. Nicola? Yes, yeah, same. LinkedIn's probably the easiest place to find me. Fab. Do you both like LinkedIn? Do you, do you enjoy interacting on LinkedIn? Chris loves it. Do you? You're always on it. I've got about 20,000 connections. I use it across all of our businesses. So I try and make mine a bit neutral uh, by sort of um, saying like, you know, entrepreneur, business owner. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we um, to give you a marketing example that isn't relevant to um, mortgages really quickly. We uh, have one of our uh, things is hospitality. We have a pub in a very small village, uh, Mm -hmm. but it is where a uh, international software uh, tech company is based. So what I did was I set up a LinkedIn automation to basically message them all. If they were, if they were based in that town and they um, worked for this company, I sent them a message to say, hey, my name's Chris. We've just bought this pub down the road. We'd love to welcome you in for lunch. Just give me a shout if you want to come by. And ran that automation and straight away the pub was full. So, and you can do exactly the same if you're a mortgage broker, say you want to target I don't know, the accountants for arguments. So mm-hmm. you can set up the automation, away you go, uh, engaging with them. So, you know, for me, I love LinkedIn. Uh, it helps us uh, connect with the business community, which is a great target audience. I think Nicola probably has her, my, my plate is slightly less full sometimes than Nicola's, I think. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah, so, yeah, I definitely You're don't. not on it as much, Nicola. No, just a time constraint. It's, yeah, uh, that's it, isn't but it? Mine's time, much more mortgage-focused, more... You, yeah, yeah that's your audience that's interesting yeah. though the, the the linkedin automation that's mm-hmm. that's i've seen it done before with messages but anyway guys thank you so much for coming on really really appreciate it and i'm sure people have got lots from that go and connect with them both as you can see lovely people they'll chat to anybody nicola's probably not going to be on the linkedin as much because you at the minute <laughs> with everything going on in the mortgage i'll market, reply within a week <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. lovely thank you so much for coming on really appreciate it guys thank you So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.